and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. It is your host, Leia, here, here for another solo episode, and I wanted to talk about this trip that I recently took to South Africa with a couple of friends in September of 2022. So if you're listening to this right when it comes out, that was just a couple months ago. And if you're listening to this later down the line, if you're going to South Africa and you're looking for tips of you know, other people's trips and experiences, or you just want to hear about the travel experience and the different lessons and experiences that I had in Africa, which was really what felt like a really special once in a lifetime opportunity. Although I do hope that I get the opportunity to travel to Africa again and again and again, because Africa, I mean, I only went to South Africa, so I can't really speak for the whole continent, but I could feel the energy in Africa and it felt really godly like it felt like this masculine godly divine presence I I literally was saying like while I was there and even after the fact Africa feels like the birthplace of God and I'm gonna say that and I will stand by that that Africa feels like the birthplace of God and as I will go along with this episode today you will start to understand and and find out why why that is and why I felt that way so Settle in wherever you are for a little travelogue, a little travel story about my time in South Africa. So first off, this trip was very different than most of my trips. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you know that solo travel is one of the biggest things that lights me up and inspires me in this world. I've traveled, I've solo traveled to over 25 countries in my lifetime. Last year, I was solo traveling through Central and South America, and I documented a lot of that process on the podcast. So if you like these kind of styles of episodes, feel free to check back. About a year ago, I was sharing episodes from Peru and Guatemala and Costa Rica and Puerto Rico. So if you want to hear any of those stories, definitely check this out. But this episode is focused on South Africa and This trip was very different because it was one of, I think the very first, I've been to Mexico before with friends, but this was one of the very first trips in my life that I've taken with friends and not solo, which I feel like other people have a very different experience. They usually travel with people, either family or friends, and then maybe they'll do a couple solo trips. But my travel experience has largely been solo. It's been, I've gone a lot of places alone And that's for a couple of different reasons. It's, you know, I I love solo travel because it allows me to connect to myself and really be alone. And I I grew up surrounded by people 24-7. I grew up in a very small house with 10 people. I have eight siblings and I've always had roommates. Like I didn't even sleep in my own bedroom. I didn't have my own bedroom until I was 20. 20 years old. I've always slept in rooms with other people and because I'm a highly sensitive person and I'm highly empathic, that, you know, it becomes really important for me in my life to be alone and I found that solo travel was that time where I could really be alone, where I couldn't, you know, wasn't with anyone I knew, which is really beautiful in and of itself, but it's also really challenging because you experience loneliness, you experience fear and anxiety when you're going places alone and you're getting into cabs with strange foreign men and you know there's always that worry in the back of my head of like am I gonna make it home safely tonight and yeah I've just had a lot of different experiences while solo traveling where I felt really scared 
And I always felt like that fear or that feeling of being scared was actually really important to my growth because it allowed me to face my fear and push past my fear to grow and step outside of my comfort zone. So I kind of, you know, knew that fear was part of the process with solo traveling. So, you know, when I was in Bali alone or when I was in Thailand alone or when I was in Mexico alone or in... Peru alone, there was sometimes, you know, these moments where I would, you know, first of all, when I'm solo traveling, safety wise, I never go out alone at night. I never go out alone. And I never like go out and party, of course, by myself. Yeah. And that's those are, you know, tips to to keep safe while you're solo traveling. But yeah, there was there was many moments throughout my solo travels where I would really get scared and you know, feel like, oh no, what if I don't make it home? What if someone kidnaps me? You know, all of those thoughts that we have. And it was always such a practice in surrendering and a practice in trust and a practice in being safely held by the divine. So I never had any close encounters with my solo travels. I always was really, really safe and felt really grateful for that. But the fear that I had that I was not going to be safe was always part of my solo trips, no matter where I was in the world. And that's not to say that some places are safer or more dangerous than others. I think that there can be dangerous, terrible things that happen in any country, no matter where you are. And so that's not to, I think there can be really this misconception with certain places in the world. And that's pushed by our media and by our Western perception that some places of the world are really dangerous. And yeah, some places of the world, you know, are not safe to travel to. I mean, let's look at Iran right now. Um, which is really sad and setting my love over there. But I'm kind of getting off topic because that's not what this solo episode is about today. All of that to say is that the upsides of solo travel was that I would feel inspired and connected to myself and felt like I could be alone and felt like I could do what I just wanted to do instead of catering to everyone else and really just forging my own path in a foreign country, which is one of my favorite things to do. But there is always a shadow side to that. And the dark side of that was you know, facing my fears of loneliness, of not being safe, of not being protected, of not being supported. And I really felt that last year when I was in Guatemala and Peru, I just was tired of doing things on my own. And I was traveling for four months on my own without really talking to other people, you know, keeping in touch with friends back home and family back home. But you know, not, I didn't have anyone in my day to day that I could bounce things off of or be with or laugh with or talk with. And that was really hard because I was going through a really hard time. And I, all I needed was like safety and support. And I was kind of putting myself in situations that were the opposite of that, which of course was a beautiful lesson for me to learn and experience so that I know, you know, how, how I am for, for next time. So after I got back from my solo trips last year, I really just didn't, you know, I was feeling like I was good on the travel front for a little bit. But I had the opportunity, an opportunity came up because two of my best friends from high school, their mom had won a safari. So she had like won this like safari trip at some charity auction. And they were supposed to go during the pandemic, but of course it got pushed back because of the pandemic. And finally, they were able to go and they invited me to come with them. And I was able to pay to come along on this safari trip with them. And it really was the, the first time that I got to travel with friends. And it was definitely a new experience for me. I feel like most people have the opposite experience. And for me, I was a little nervous because I've heard about, you know, when you travel with people, like the worst parts of yourselves come out. And, you know, just when people are uncomfortable and outside of their comfort zone, tensions can rise and it can be really stressful. But, you know, you just really learn a lot about people when you travel with them. So I kind of had that like initial apprehension, but I was really excited because going with people, especially to a country like South Africa, where I've never been to the African continent. I really hope that I get to go back, but I've never been or had never been. And, you know, you you don't really know a lot about, about Africa. They don't teach you about Africa in schools. You learn about, I mean, if I remember what I learned about Africa in schools, I mean, I feel like I learned about Egypt. And actually, when I was in seventh grade, I did a project we could do like Oh my gosh, <laughs> wait, this is all coming back to me. When I was in seventh grade, we had this project 
where I think you were, you could pick any country in the world and do, it was like a social studies class. So you could pick any country in the world and do like a project on them about their culture, their language, their food, and then present it to the class. And so I remember, I don't know if I chose it myself or I got assigned to it, but my country was South Africa. So it's kind of funny that there's that connection there. And I didn't even realize it until now when I was speaking about it. But yeah, when I was in seventh grade, I did a little project on South Africa. And I remember, like, I had to do, like, a construction paper version of the South African flag. And their flag has, like, a bunch of different colors. There's black, green, red, yellow. I forget what else. But um, you can look up a picture. It's, you'll, you'll recognize it if you see it. But South Africa is known for being very diverse. They speak about 12 I think now it's 13 with the addition of sign language being the 13th official language of South Africa. So I think in America, our official languages are just English and maybe Spanish. Not sure if Spanish is an official language. I should definitely Google that after I'm done recording this. Um, But yeah, they have 12 official, well, 13 official languages, which is pretty incredible and just speaks to the amount of diversity there, the amount of different cuisines there, which I definitely experienced on my trip. So That had really been my experience with knowing anything about Africa. I really didn't know much. And I think I'm not alone alone with that, especially people living in the West, that like our public school education system doesn't really teach us a lot about Africa, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, just didn't know that much, I guess, going into it. And so I was grateful to travel with friends because that fear element that's usually prevalent on any time I go on a really big trip, like somewhere really far away, That fear element just wasn't there because I was like, dude, no matter what happens, I'm not going to be alone with someone in a taxi. Like I'll be with my friends and I'll feel comfortable and I'll have other people there. And no matter what happens, like if if something gets stolen, which I've worried about on trips in the past, or if you get like, you know, your passport gets stolen, like what do you do? But with friends, I just felt like, you know what, no matter what happens, like we're going to navigate together and it's just going to feel really good. So I was feeling really excited about the trip and of course, had never been on a safari before, so just didn't really know what to expect and was going into the trip with just the intention of having a good time. Like, I actually have this group with these ladies that were on the retreat from Puerto Rico last year where sometimes we meet and we do some new moon intentions. And I remember my new moon intentions in August. We were just coming out of Leo season. My intention was was literally, I wrote down, enjoy the fuck out of Africa. And I'm sorry if you don't like cussing, but that's... That's what it was. Enjoy the fuck out of Africa because this past year has been really difficult. I think, (laughs) you know, I think we've all had a, a difficult past couple of years. And for myself specifically, this year was the year that I moved to Michigan in the middle of nowhere, living a completely different lifestyle, like literally switching my lifestyle like overnight and just needing to get used to that and really grounding myself in a home for the very first time, creating my own home for the very first time. So this year has really been a year of grounding, a huge year of healing, a huge year of processing my grief. I didn't realize that the reason why I was traveling so much and doing so many things and putting so many things out is really because I was running. I was running as hard and as fast as I could because I was running away from the truth of what happened to me in my life. And this year I've really, you know, through the process of therapy, through the process of many different healing modalities, I've been doing this deep inner work and dealing with and processing a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, a lot of pain, a lot of feelings of abandonment, neglect, abuse, uh, sexual trauma, you name it. Dealing with all of that, which is heavy, really, really heavy. But I've only been able to process it or begin to process it due to the fact that I'm in a really safe, stable place. I'm in a my first home in Michigan and I didn't realize how essential having a home was for me to feel safe. And the reason why I had never really created homes was vagabonding my way around the world, was you know running from this place to the next, moving to New York City and traveling and just all of the things I was doing was really just me running. So 
as a result of me being stable, me being grounded, me being in a home, having my loving fiance just by my side, having a group of really good friends, female friendships that have really held and supported me, I've been able to dive into this work. So all of that is to say that this year has been really heavy for me. It's felt really depressing at times, really like I want to give up energy at times. And yeah, it's just been really, really hard. So this trip to South Africa kind of felt like, all right, I'm going to go travel with some friends. Like, hopefully, let's just have a good time. So that was really my intention going into the trip. And we flew out of San Francisco. I My mom lives in Berkeley, so I flew from Michigan to Berkeley, spent a couple days at home with her, and then traveled with friends out of San Francisco because they both live in California. So we flew out of San Francisco to Istanbul. We had like a nine-hour layover in Istanbul, and I've never been to Turkey. Oh my gosh, I wish so much that we could have left the airport, and I was trying to leave the airport, but because we only had like eight or nine hours and it was dark and kind of, it was like we got into Istanbul at like 8 p.m. And I had looked into it and you need a visa to enter Turkey, which isn't that big of a deal. But then the airport was an hour away from like the city center. So we just ended up not having enough time. So we got to the Istanbul airport and just went into like a private airport lounge, which is a travel hack. I do say so myself. If you have a layover that's like over three hours, honestly, I would do an airport lounge. And I used to never do airport lounges because I was such a like a budget solo traveler and just was like, you know, trying to save all my money. But airport lounges are so worth it. So we spent a couple hours in the lounge and Istanbul calls itself like the meeting place of the world. And I was looking up at that little screen where they have all the departures and comings and goings. And you just see like everywhere in the world. And it just was so cool to feel like, oh my gosh, I am halfway around the world right now. I'm in this center where I'm seeing people from all different parts of the globe. And it was just really cool. And that's like my Sagittarian soul is is down for that. Actually, this is a perfect episode for Sagittarius season because Sagittarius season is all about expansion and travel and gaining new perspectives. And that's exactly what happened to me when I went to South Africa. So after Istanbul, we had another flight to Johannesburg in South Africa that was like maybe 10 hours. I think all in all, the travel time with the layovers, I think with just the flights, was like 20 hours. And then with the layovers and stuff was like 30 something hours, 35 hours. I think we left on a Saturday and didn't arrive until like Tuesday. (laughs) So it's a long, long travel. Like when I say it's half, you know, around the world, it really is. So we were on our, so the first experience that I had, and I want to share this because it felt like super special to me, but the first experience I had with like the African continent is we're on this plane, we had been sleeping. So we wake up and I'm on the flight and I check like the flight map where it shows you where you're flying over. And I see that we're flying over Egypt and the Nile River. And we open up our lines and the sun is rising. And all of, you know, me and my two friends, we wake up and we're like, oh my God, this is our first African sunrise. And it just felt so wild and sacred to me that I I was literally like above you know, above the earth in the sky, but I was crossing Egypt and the Nile River and, you know, seeing the sunrise over the African continent. And it just felt so special because it felt like I was coming back home. It felt like I was connecting back to lands that I've read about, lands that I've heard about, lands that I felt in my soul, lands that I'm sure that with all of the wisdom in ancient Egypt and all of the technology that they had, like we are definitely connected to that in some way. So I was just mind blown that we were here, this was happening, I couldn't believe we were actually doing it. So we landed in Johannesburg and then had another flight to Durban which is a seaside city on the, I guess it would be the eastern coast of South Africa. So we get to Durban, we check into a hotel for the night, and then the morning we go out and the hotel is like in this beach seaside resort. And we go out and it looks like Laguna Beach almost. It looks like California. There's this the beautiful ocean, it's the Indian Ocean over there on the eastern side. Beautiful ocean, like 
kind of like a lot of tourism and hotels. And I was just like, how are we in Africa? Like, is this real? I'm in Africa right now. It was, yeah, it was amazing. So we just had like a quick dinner there, quick breakfast. And then our, you know, one of the people from the safari that we were going on came and picked us up at our hotel because the place where the safari was, was about a three and a half hour drive from Durban. So Durban was the closest airport you could get into. And it was a three and a half hour drive from Durban. So we get on our drive, we go to um, Zulu Niala, which is the name of the place where we went to the safari. Zulu Niala, I'll put their information in the show notes because I'll hi- I highly, highly recommend recommend the place. We had a great experience. So we get to Zulu Niala and Zulu Niala is kind of like a tropical paradise it's like they had all these different like palm trees all these different african plants and of course you know that i've been getting really into herbalism lately so i was really interested in seeing the plants surrounding south africa and what kind of plants i would find they have such different plants than we have they have i'm going to butcher how you say this but they have these plants called foibos or like f-o-o-b-o-s yeah but they're like these flowers that like grow waxy petals and they're just like something from an alien world they look so cool and I was obsessed with them but anyways there was all these like different plants and palm trees around they had a crocodile pool where there was like four or five crocodiles just sitting there and like gaping their mouths open. They had this tree where they were like all these birds. And at night when the sun would set, all of these birds would start chirping really loudly. They were like these yellow birds. I, I, I wish I could put, put all the specific names in the show notes maybe because I don't know them off the top of my head, but I'm just sharing my experience. But there are all these little mini yellow birds that I had never seen before and they were chirping and their song was so beautiful and so loud. And so, yeah, Zulu Niala was like this paradise that we we're staying in and we were staying in this lot like this I don't know like a suite lodge room it was kind of like a hotel but more outdoor so you're you would go from your into your rooms from the outside we had this huge room and the schedule of the safari was you have breakfast lunch and dinner you have three meals a day and so every day in Zulu Niala they have the schedule remains the same so in the morning you wake up and there's a game drive from 6 to 8 a.m that you can go on with your guide and you're there for a week most people are there for a week and you're with your same guide and your same group the whole week so it was me my two friends from high school Joanna and Carson and then there was these two retired ladies who worked at the San Diego Zoo who were on the safari Joan and Nancy, they were like in their 70s and they were going to Africa on the safari. I think they had also won the safari at this charity auction event. And I think the way that this specific place does it, Zuluniala, it's like a lot of people, you know, are given the trips and then they spend money. So it's like a good partnership for people to come and to increase tourism in this area. So our people on our trip were Joan and Nancy, who were these lovely ladies in their 70s. Then there was this couple, Aaron and, oh, I don't remember the wife's name. Aaron and his wife, who were this couple. He was actually from Michigan. So I traveled all the way to South Africa to meet another person also from Michigan. And he was from Michigan and his wife was from Scotland, but they were traveling. They had moved to Hong Kong together and then were like taking a sabbatical from their jobs for a year to go travel. And they had been like all over the world. So they're, oh, it was Nina, Aaron and Nina. Yeah, their names are Aaron and Nina. And they have an Instagram where they share their travels. So they're kind of like these travel, this travel like Instagram influencer couple. These two retired ladies who worked at the San Diego Zoo And then there was this other two ladies. One lady was from Australia and the other lady was from Seattle. And they were friends and they were also in their like late 60s. And they were just traveling as friends together. And they had been to like Botswana before. And so they were like doing gorillas in Botswana and now safari in in South Africa. So we had quite a mix of different people. And it was just really fun to interact with them the whole week. Like I said, you're with the same group the whole week. So you'll go on your game drives and you're, you'll eat your meals together. You'll sit at the same table, which at first we were like, oh man, we have to be with these people this whole time. But it ended up really being special to get to know our group and to have fun with our group. So 
like I said, let me go back to the schedule. I kind of got off on a tangent there, but back to the schedule. So you wake up 6 to 8 a.m., there's a game drive, and then 8.30 is breakfast, and then you kind of have a couple hours to chill. There's a pool there. They have a spa where you can get massages, and they have offer different excursions to, like, nearby places. So one day we went out to the town, Hlumloe, I think that's how you say it, in their town, which was really just like one street. And they just had like a couple stores, like a clothing store, a grocery store, and just like little shacks or women selling things out of grocery carts. Like I saw a hair salon or people grilling meats on the side of the road, stuff like that. So it was really interesting, but they had different excursions like going to local artisan markets, going to town, going to local like cheetah reserves where they do like rehabilitation on cheetahs. There was an elephant interaction thing. You could go to like the seaside and go see hippos or go on a boat. And then you could go to another safari, another game reserve that had the big five so I learned a lot on this trip I didn't know what the big five were but in Africa and safaris or just I guess in Africa I think in general or on the reserves maybe it's only when they're talking about the reserves but they talk about something called the big five which are the like biggest most dangerous animals in Africa and those are the lion the leopard the elephant the rhino and the buffalo And the reason why the buffalo is on there, and the buffalo is actually one of the most dangerous animals, because they don't give any warning signs before they attack. Most animals, before they're going to attack or show some, you know, will show signs of aggression. They'll show warning signs. But apparently with the buffalo, they can look totally chill one minute and then totally not the next. So that's why they are one of the most dangerous animals. So most safaris are a big five, but our safari was a big four. So the only animal they didn't have were lions. And that was just because they were smaller and didn't have the space for them. But they had everything else. And so you go on your game drive, you can go on different excursions throughout the day. And then there's another game drive from four to 6 p.m., And then dinner is at seven and then there's like a show with dancers from the Zulu village, uh, Zulu African dancers who give a little show at the end of the night. And that was like our day for six days straight where we would wake up, go on two, two hour game drives a day, just driving around, seeing the different animals, having some time to relax in the afternoon and then, yeah, just enjoying ourselves and being with each other. So it was, and oh, and where we were, we really didn't have a lot of self-service. So it felt like this kind of unplugged from reality, just being immersed in nature, going on these game drives for four hours a day, seeing animals in their natural habitat and just observing their behavior, observing you know, just nature and its element. It felt so peaceful. It felt so rejuvenating. It felt so like, Like I could unwind and relax. And I had been nervous about this trip because I haven't really had a lot of energy this last year. I've had to do a lot more rest, a lot more slowing down, and I can't just go, go, go like I I used to. So it was really nice to just be traveling, but just to be in one place and to, you know, get a massage during the day, go on the game drives. The animals we would see were incredible. I saw so many new things. I learned so many new things. We saw... Impalas, nialas, elephants, uh, baboons, monkeys, all kinds, birds, all kinds, elephants, of course, giraffes, rhinos, hippos, and just, yeah, every day we would see something new or something more magical, and it was just like the best time ever. It was truly, if you can get the opportunity to go on a safari, I you know, you are so lucky if you are able to, because it really was such a beautiful experience. And just seeing the animals, oh oh my God. Oh, so I have to share this one story on one of our drives. I think this was like our first or second day. And the reserve that we were on had three elephants and they were all female elephants. There was no male elephants because they just didn't have the space to have more elephants on the land. They didn't have the, like the land didn't have the resources to feed three elephants or more than three elephants at a time because the elephants are huge and they just eat for like 20 hours a day and they eat so much. So there's only space for the three female elephants. And... 
we, you know, the when when you're on the safari, like in this Jeep with your guide, and our guide's name was Sipo. Sipo was from the Zulu village. He had grown up there. And he was the best. By the time we left, my friends and I fell in love with Sipo and he fell in love with us because he was just so fun and he would teach us different things about his Zulu tradition. And, you know, we saw different trees where the bark could, you know, they use the bark as a toothbrush or they use some of the bark on the trees as a sunscreen or, you know, there's all this knowledge about the environment around you about the plants about the animals Sipo said that like you know sometimes he'll walk home at night and a couple times he's come across a leopard just in the wild and like he has to know what to do if a leopard attacks you and that's just part of his reality and that's so I think so wild for us to comprehend as westerners because that's so not our reality we are not going to come across elephants or leopards or lions in the bush while we're walking around and he really grew up in the bush so so he whatever we're driving around the bush and when you're in these jeeps like the guides will talk to each other and so whenever you see the elephants like you know of course everyone wants to see the elephants because they're one of the biggest animals in the bush and you know they're elephants to see like a real life wild african elephant is truly an experience so one day he gets word sipo gets word that there are elephants you know in this particular part of the bush in the reserve So we go looking for them. We're driving, driving, driving. We can't find them. We don't see them, whatever. So we're about to ride back and suddenly, so we're riding on this like dirt path that's like barely a dirt path. And suddenly we hear a rustle in the bushes and we look and to our right is, are the elephants and they are so close to our Jeep. And we immediately stop the Jeep, you know, just to observe them. And the three of them are just like slowly walking across the road, making their way, you know, eating branches and leaves wherever they go with their huge trunks. And I was like terrified because suddenly you're sitting next, you know, you're in face to face with this like 13 thousand ton pound animal that could instantly crush you and your jeep and your six fellow humans in an instant and i had heard you know my mom of course before i left had told me a story that one of her clients she's a massage therapist so she had said that one of her clients told her that they had just gone back from a safari and an elephant had attacked her sister and had trampled her sister and she had to get life flighted out of Africa and she survived but like had very life-sustaining injuries so I that was in my mind and so when we were face to face with these giant elephants I was like oh my god like are we okay and our guide Sipo is like you know when you're around the animals you don't want to make any loud noises so we were all just really quietly sitting there being respectful just watching and we slowly watch the elephants like cross the road right in front of us right in front of our jeep And suddenly, and I have a video of this, so if if you want to see a video of this, go on my Instagram, but suddenly one of the elephants starts to turn its head and starts to like show a sign of aggression, kind of like get out of here type thing. And the guide revs up the engine, which I think is what bothered the elephant in the first place. And we start to back up really fast and we hit a bush. Like we're not backing up. He's not aiming correctly. We hit a bush. We can't go any further. Like if this elephant wanted to attack and trample us, we would all be dead. But luckily we back up and he just stops the car again because there's no place else to go. We can't go back any further. We can't go any, we can't go backwards because there's a tree and we can't go forwards because there's an elephant. So (laughs) we back up and we just sit and the elephant like slowly and they move so slowly. They move like eons, but you can't help but just being like captivated by their immense presence. So we're watching with like bated breath And the elephant slowly turns its head back to like the direction that it's going and it keeps walking. And, you know, all three of them keep walking. They keep eating. They keep just going back to doing their thing. And we feel like we've just escaped like a death sentence. I truly like my heart was beating so fast because I truly thought that we were getting trampled to death. And it was funny because Joanna and I were sitting in the back and we both looked at each other like what the hell is happening right now and 
the, the other ladies on the safari like were unaware that anything was happening. Like they didn't feel like we were in danger. And I think I was just like extra sensitive because I had heard the story about someone getting trampled on a safari in Africa, but everything was fine. And so half of our group like had no idea what was going on. They were taking videos of it. And that's why we have a video of it. And I was just like too scared to even move or like open up my camera because I just was like praying for my life. So that was, <laughs> that felt like our initiation into Africa. And it just, like, you know, the, the before that incident had happened, I was kind of like in disbelief. I didn't know, believe that I was in Africa and that I was experiencing these things because it just feels so out of the ordinary from my current or usual typical reality. So after that happened, I was like, all right, we've arrived. We are in Africa. And so we spent the rest of the week just, you know, having fun with our group, having fun with our guide, really just enjoying the staff. One of the nights I danced with the Zulu dancers and like the whole the whole lodge, the whole place, like knew who we were. Everywhere we would go, they'd be like, hey, it's the girls. Because because most of these people that go on this safari like win it in a charity, they were a lot older. Like everyone was probably over the age of 55. And so we were like these 25-year-old, 27-year-old girls having a good time. So we really were noticed and it just felt really fun. And so then after we left the safari, after our six days were over, we traveled to Cape Town and Cape Town is on the other side of South Africa. So it's on the Western side bordering the Atlantic Ocean. And we flew to Cape Town, which is like a few hour flight. And we spent a week in Cape Town just exploring different sites. One day we went to the wine region of Cape Town because they have really amazing wine. And we did the wine tram, which was awesome because you get on this wine tram. It takes you to all these different wineries. And then you have like 45 minutes at each winery to do a tasting, to do, to eat, to, you know, do whatever you want, to walk around. So we went to all these different wineries. All of them were so beautiful. It was like California on steroids. Like if you've, I've been to Napa Valley a lot because my mom lives in Berkeley and she loves going to Napa Valley. So I've been to a lot of wineries in my life because that's what my mom is into. And I will say that these wineries were like, yeah, California on steroids. And so, yeah, we're in Cape Town. We had an Airbnb that was right across from the ocean. And again, Cape Town had this like feel like it almost felt like California, but on steroids. Everything was so much bigger. Everything was so much brighter. There was more going on. And it felt so, so good to be in Cape Town's energy. Like I definitely one of my top five favorite cities in the world. And I've been to a lot of the major cities of the world, not all of them. And Cape Town's energy just felt fun because it's so diverse, because you're by the ocean, because it's like it's this city that's nestled between mountains and the ocean, which I can't really think of anything that gets better than that. Um, and two of Cape Town's like biggest geographical features are what is known as Table Mountain and Lion's Head. And so Table Mountain is this like flat mountain that literally looks like a table. It has this like long plateau on the top. And then there's Lion's Head, which is this huge like mountain rock type thing. And the shape of it looks like a lion's face and it's facing towards the ocean. And, you know, it just is, it's, it's epic. Like the nature there, the geography there, the ocean, the vibes were just epic. It felt so, so good to be there. But another feature of Cape Town, which I found really interesting, is that Cape Town is actually a site of one of the spiritual vortexes. So there's... Throughout the earth, there's this belief that there's different like, you know, just like we have chakras and energy systems in our bodies, so does the earth. And so the earth has different chakras connected to different places on earth. And that's why you can travel to different places and feel different energies because earth has her own energetic field. And, you know, different places in the earth carry a different vibrational energy. And so there's, you know, different places represent different chakras or different elements or different heart centers. And so in Cape Town, it is the earth element and the center of the root chakra in, you know, in this belief. And I've seen other places be the root chakra too, but Table Mountain specifically is supposed to be a spiritual vortex for earth energy. It's one of the four elements and it's earth. 
And so being in Cape Town, I immediately felt connected to that earth energy. I immediately felt grounded. I felt connected to my root. There's a lot of like dancing there with with that African beat, that African drum, that music, that rhythm that I felt so like connected to my sacral and to my hips and to my root. And we just danced and like we would just, we had this beautiful Airbnb, like I said, that was overlooking the ocean. And so we would just sit on our patio and like smoke a little weed and dance. And it felt so good. I felt like it felt ancestral to me to connect to my body in this way, to move emotion in this way. And I realized that because I've had such an intense period and an intense year of healing and processing old emotions, stuck emotion and grief that, you know, it's been very heavy. And I forget that I can do it in my body too. I can also move energy and move emotion through dance and through movement and through, you know, really just getting stuck energy out. So we were dancing, we were grooving and we just had so much fun. And I felt like I had so many downloads about my life and and where I was felt stuck and where I, you know, had not really been focusing on or incorporating joy into my practices. So it just felt like connecting me back to my joy and being surrounded by lion's head and table mountain like you truly feel this divine presence it feels like larger than life and it just feels like you're held by this very masculine strong god presence and that's why I really felt like Africa was the birthplace of God like I don't know how to describe it other than that that it just felt like I was in the birthplace of God and that was really what I needed along my healing journey So we had a great week in Cape Town together and then my friends left and I wanted to stay a little bit longer. So I had already planned to stay a couple weeks after they left and I was supposed to stay two extra weeks. But like last minute before I went on the trip, I was just feeling like that was too much time alone and I didn't want to be alone during this phase of my life. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay one week after. So I stayed one week solo in Cape Town And that was really nice because I was able to just extend my time there and spend more time there. And because I had been with my friends, I felt confident in like being alone and making friends wherever I went. And so after they left, I went shark diving off the coast of Cape Town in Gonsby. And that was incredible. What a once in a lifetime experience. Like Africa just felt like one once in a lifetime experiences after the next. And so I went shark diving in the cage with great white. Well, actually they weren't great whites. So typically South Africa is the place to shark dive with great whites. But apparently in the last couple of years, there haven't been as many great whites off the coast of South Africa because orca whales have been killing them. I think maybe climate change. There could be a couple of different reasons, but they're not seeing as many great white sharks anymore, but they're still sharks called bronze whaler sharks and they are very similar to great whites they look just as deadly i promise you so i was in this very cold cage with a wetsuit on with goggles and a breathing tube and you're underwater and they're throwing like raw salmon and fish into the water and the seagulls come up and try to eat the fish and then the sharks come up and so you see like six or seven sharks like coming at you towards your cage and you're just standing there frozen like holding on the bars for dear life but you're safe there and it was a really cool experience i'm so glad i did it so yeah i went shark diving i went to like this lion park because i hadn't seen lions on our safari because they weren't a big five they were just a big four So I saw some lions, which were amazing. And one thing that like I really discovered about myself on this trip, and I think that Africa really brought this out of me, is connecting to my Leo moon. So my big three in astrology, and I usually typically follow Vedic astrology because that's what I grew up with. I lived on an ashram when I was a teenager and they practiced Vedic astrology. So I've always felt more connected to Vedic astrology because that's just what I started with. And also Vedic astrology is more ancient than Western astrology. And Vedic astrology takes into account the tilt of the earth, which Western astrology does not. So in my belief, Vedic astrology seems to be more accurate. So in Vedic astrology, my signs are I'm a Sagittarius sun, Cancer moon, and Libra rising. And Cancer moons are very soft, very sensitive, very emotional, very intuitive, which I am all those things. But in Western astrology, my moon changes because of this tilt of the earth that Western astrology does not take into account. So in Western astrology, 
astrology, my moon, I am a Leo moon. So I'm still a Sagittarius sun, Libra rising, but my moon changes. I'm a Leo moon. And I never really like dove that deep into being a Leo moon because I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. I was like, oh, that's not me. I'm not even going to research it. But of course, Leos are a fire sign. They're very kind of out there, outgoing, very courageous, you know, like a lion, very lion, lion energy embodied. And I feel like maybe I was more in my Leo moon energy when I was in school. I think when I was in high school and college, I definitely had that personality of like, I was always the loudest in the room and wasn't afraid to put myself out there and was very bold and courageous, kind of like a lion. But as I graduated school and wasn't around people as much, I really got more in touch with my deeper, more intuitive nature and just felt like, you know, I wasn't that energy at all. But being in Africa, I felt so connected to lion energy because the lion is this like strong, powerful, courageous animal who also sleeps for 20 hours a day. They like sleep for 20 hours a day and then they spend about four hours just looking for food and they have such interesting like social structures with, you know, the male lion being the leader of the pack and one male lion being with a bunch of female lions. And yeah, I just find it so interesting to find messages in the animal kingdom and to connect to animal medicine. Literally, as I'm recording this, I have a deck called Spirit of the Animals Oracle. I'll link that in the show notes. But I think that we can really learn, you know, if we can look to nature for our answers instead of the television or the internet or our phones, but we can really look to to nature, there's so much medicine in nature. There's so many much medicine in animals and observing animals and, you know, relating to them. So I think that's why being in Africa felt so good because you were deeply connected with the animal kingdom. And I felt a deep connection to lion energy and not only being in Cape Town where there's lion's head overlooking the whole city, but just being in that essence of what it's like to relax and to rest and also allow myself to be seen, embody that Leo energy and dance and move my body and move emotions and be courageous and have fun and enjoy the fuck out of my life, which was my intention to enjoy the fuck out of Africa. And I certainly, certainly did. So when I was at this lion park, I got a stuffed lion because I felt so connected to this Leo energy, because I felt like Africa had ignited my Leo moon, my inner Leo moon. So I got this stuffed African lion. His name is George. I named him. And he has been my little courageous companion ever since I got back from my trip. And I feel like going to Africa was a turning point in my healing journey because it became the place where I started to see the truth and the place where I started to really connect to God and connect to love and connect to my essence, which I had, hadn't had felt in a really long time. And so I am like obsessed with my stuffed animal, George. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been posting him on my stories occasionally, but he's been like my, my little support animal. And everywhere I like, everywhere I put him in the house, he looks like he's alive. Like, I don't know. I don't know why it's not a thing for adults to have stuffed animals as adults because I feel like we all do as kids. I remember my stuffed animals and my stuffed animals were like people to me. They had spirits. They had energies. They were alive to me. I would tell them my secrets. I would cuddle them at night. Like they were a support animal for me. If you've had that experience with stuffed animals too, definitely let me know because I don't know if I'm alone here or not. I'm sure I'm not. But yeah, I felt like because I was processing so much grief, I really needed to have those support systems in place. And like having a stuffed animal as an adult is really healing for my inner child. And yeah, just feeling like that's been a source of comfort and support for me and just connecting me back to how I felt in Africa and yeah, just Africa being the birthplace of God. And for me, really finding and seeing God there and just feeling such the special energy of Africa, the ancient wisdom of the tribes that live there, the villages that they have. Like, I think as a Westerner, we're so, we're led so astray. We're so ignorant about the true power and magic 
that exists there. And I think that's probably why they were colonized because, you know, we didn't, the the darkness didn't want to see the light thrive. And I got a couple books while I was there from African writers and I've been enjoying that so much. Oh my God, I'm reading this incredible magical book called The Last Gift of the Master Artists by Ben Okri, who's a Nigerian writer. And his book is just like, it's written like a dream and a poem and a fantasy and a love all at once. It's like this epic book. I can't even explain it in words. You're just going to have to look it up and, and check it out for yourself. So definitely recommend that book. And then also one of my, lastly, because I love, you know, I love food. I love travel. I love culture. I love creativity. I love all those things. And one of my favorite things that we did with my friends is we did, we booked like this Airbnb experience and it was a local food tour of the different food and cuisines that they have in Cape Town. And so we went with like a local guide and he took us to like 10 different restaurants, all serving different African cuisine. And they were all these like hole in the wall spots in areas of town that we would have never traveled to. And so we got to see the city in a whole different light, a whole different side of the city. And we got to eat authentic food from immigrants from Somalia, from Mali, from Ghana, from Nigeria, West African food, uh, Ethiopian food. Like we just got to try all these different types of African food. And it introduced me to a world of flavor and a world of cuisine that I really don't experience much. Like I think I had only really ever had Ethiopian food and hadn't experienced any other type of African food, but it was seriously the most delicious food that I've ever had. A lot of rice, a lot of meat, a lot of stews, potatoes, things like that. And just the Ethiopian like food experience when we went to this Ethiopian restaurant, so they serve you the Ethiopian coffee on a tray and it has like this beautiful carafe filled with hot coffee. Then they have a bowl of popcorn because that's typical to have with your coffee in Ethiopia. And then a little incense dish where they're burning some type of incense. And it's such a magical vibe, honestly. It's like I feel so connected to that energy and it feels ancestral. Like I felt like being in Africa, I connected to ancestors that I didn't even know that I had because I truly do believe that Africa is the birthplace of God and also Africa is the birthplace of humanity. And I felt like our original ancestors came from this land. And I don't know if that's technically correct, but that's what I feel in my soul. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> so yeah, definitely, you know, if you have the chance to travel to Africa, I so highly recommend it. If you have any specific questions and you want to reach out to me, please feel free. My Instagram is at Leah Van Dorn, just my name. And I'll leave that in the show notes too. And yeah, I just hoped you enjoyed this fun little travelogue solo episode where I just shared about some of my experiences and and yeah, what I've been moving through. So thank you, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for you, for you being here, for you being part of my community. So, so grateful. So thank you. And I will catch you all again soon with another interview or a solo. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. Thank you.